This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, it's December the 14th. I hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. We've got plenty coming up, but we are going to start off with the very latest on COVID. And there have yet again been queues to try and get booster jabs after the Prime Minister said at the weekend he wants everyone to have had one by the end of the year. Well, more than 650,000 bookings were made yesterday, according to NHS England, but people have had to wait in a queue again today on the website to get an appointment. The rush to get a third jab is all because of the Omicron variant. However, a Kent GP is concerned it could put people off going to see their doctor for non-COVID-related concerns. I've been speaking to Dr Jack Jacobs, who works at a surgery near Ashford. As a GP, if patients have symptoms of any sort that they're worried about, don't delay it. Actually delaying it, as we know with the first wave, actually just cause more problems. So if you've got things you're worried about, we are open, we are seeing people, and I think we'll still see the majority of patients. There will be some planned routine type of uh, follow-up that we might have to postpone in general practice, but I think a lot of us want to Get that message out there that we're still open. We still want to see people. Please don't delay. And how concerned are you heading into the new year? I mean, do you think if we do get this booster done, we will be able to avoid the problems that we've previously seen because perhaps we have left things a bit too late? Yeah, I'm not sure, really. I mean, I think the booster will help. Um, I think we're still going to face a very difficult January. It is beginning to look a bit like uh, last January, I'm afraid. Is plan C necessary, would you say, at this point, Jack? Well, you do wonder, don't you? Uh, You know, it's such a difficult balance for those sort of decision makers. But at the moment, you know, the health services is at capacity and there are some difficult decisions that that have to be made. And I think we've all got to consider perhaps how much socialising, how much risk we put ourselves and other at very tricky. From today, anyone who's come into contact with someone who tests positive for COVID is being asked to take a lateral flow test for seven days and register the results with the NHS. Now it's for any variant but also replaces the need to isolate for 10 days for anyone who's been with someone who's tested positive for Omicron. The system applies to anyone who's double or triple jabbed and for children over the age of five. In the meantime, Downing Street says it's working with Royal Mail and Amazon to make sure COVID lateral flow tests can be delivered to people. The government's website has been struggling to cope with demand, suggesting people try pharmacies instead. A spokesman for the Prime Minister says 2.6 million of the tests were dispatched between 8pm on Saturday and 8pm on Sunday. Now later, there'll be a vote in the Commons on Plan B restrictions. We've already been told to wear a face mask in more public places and work from home if we can. Now MPs will look at bringing in COVID passports to get into certain venues. To get one, you'll have to be either double jabbed or show proof of a negative COVID test. Well, Tudor Price is the Deputy Chief Exec of the Kent Invictor Chamber of Commerce and is in two minds about them. I'm torn really because on one hand, I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a big defender of civil liberties. I quite understand, you know, it's very important. We're very blessed in this country. We don't have mandatory ID cards and, and other sort of such uh, sort of dictatorial, um, you know, obligations on this, which is great, but it does start to sort of create a split society. 
you know, where for whatever reason, and because there are a multitude of different reasons, it's not just about, you know, the, the anti-vaxxers and protest acts. There are many other reasons why people can't have that. So it's going to be, it's going to be difficult to implement. Um, but the flip side, of course, um, it'll be good for the economy. Uh, you know, it means that, that sort of trade can continue, that nightclubs can continue to sort of trade and uh, generate income and revenue and employment. Um, it just means obviously there's a bit more of a faff on the door. But to be honest with you, you know, I think the nightclub industry is is very good at adapting to that sort of thing. Certainly when you look at some of the sort of the date drugs and date rate drugs and stuff like that that's been going on in, in the news in the last few months, they are pretty pretty flexible and pretty responsive to, to changes. So I think they will fare well, but it, it does sort of start to sort of lead to the wider question, well, actually, does that mean any public access anywhere is going to require a COVID pass? Um, and this is sort of where it gets to really tricky ground. If that's what it takes to make sure the economy can survive, then I suppose, you know, we'll be stuck between a rock and a hard place. But I do also understand the civil liberties argument as well. It's understood around 75 Conservative MPs are believed to be planning a rebellion against the introduction of COVID passes in England. Among them is understood to be Thanet's Charlie Elphick and Greg Clark, who represents Tunbridge Wells. Well, you can follow Kent Online on Twitter this evening for updates on that vote as and when it happens. Now, Dartford currently has the highest COVID infection rate in Kent. Latest figures show it's overtaken Ashford with 712 cases per 100,000 people. Across the county, the rise in positive tests is now starting to slow down with hospitalisations and deaths still relatively low. And finally, on this topic, tonight's episode of The Lowdown is going to focus on how the hospitality sector is faring in the run-up to Christmas, as some report cancellations of parties. The Clarendon Royal Hotel in Royal Pier Road in Gravesend has said that on the day of the booster announcement, they lost an 80 covers booking and they've had a party of 100 cancelled since. They say we are definitely feeling the impact. Bosses at the Ramsgate Music Hall have tweeted their disappointment when half the audience failed to show up for a recent gig. They tweeted 50% no-shows tonight. This is not sustainable. They later added no ill will there whatsoever. It's just a nightmare for business, particularly with a dry January coming up too. Phil Thorley is the operations director of Thorley Taverns. They run 19 venues across Thanet and have said that any loss of trade over Christmas could prove catastrophic for some outlets in the county. They've added, financially, we can ill afford another lockdown period during what is a good trading period for us. Some have decided to just defer their bookings until things calm down. Well, we've got a Twitter poll asking today if you're still going to your work Christmas party this year. 53% of you, interestingly, say no and 47% say yes. So quite an even split there. On Facebook, we're asking if you're going to be cancelling festive social plans at all. And the vast majority are saying no. Jade Pollock says, hell no, spent Christmas 2019 really ill with pneumonia, Christmas 2020 in lockdown, so COVID and the government can do one for Christmas 2021, unless I end up positive, of course. Chris Bartington, however, says, of course, less party equals less deaths. It's hardly rocket science. And Penny Berman has said, nope, our lives have been put on hold and restricted too much already. We'd still love to hear your views. You can get on our socials and let us know what you think. You can also watch the lowdown tonight on our Facebook Live and on KMTV from 6. If you're watching via socials, you can, of course, pose a question to the panel of experts. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and a man's been arrested after a girl was grabbed in Sittingbourne. The suspect ran away when he was challenged in an alleyway off Rectory Road. A 36-year-old's been released on bail. You can see images of a man police want to speak to as well at Kent Online. 
Two people are in a serious but stable condition in hospital after being hit by a car near Sevenoaks. A white BMW reportedly left the road and collided with a telegraph pole in Station Road before injuring a man and woman who were walking on the pavement. A 22-year-old man was arrested on suspicion of dangerous driving and drink or drug driving. He's since been released under investigation. Two boys have been detained by police after officers were threatened at Gillingham Railway Station. One of them apparently tried to headbutt an officer while being searched and another was detained on suspicion of having a Class B drug. A lump hammer was also found near where the group was standing. Police investigating County Lines drugs gangs in Kent arrested 41 people and seized more than £160,000 in cash last month. The team carried out 22 raids and brought 49 charges, as well as securing prison sentences totalling more than 34 years. Now, a landmark report by MPs today says recommendations to the draft online safety bill will bring an end to the era of self-regulation for big tech companies. Now, it claims major changes are needed, so the law covers more offences, including paid-for fraudulent advertising and the sending of explicit images without consent. Folkestone and Hythe rep Damien Collins, who chairs the committee, says it's time to end the Wild West online. I think people really want to know the way the bill's going to work. You know, what offences will be in scope? What offences like you know, extremist speech or hate speech towards people? How will that be included in the bill? How will it be enforced? And to know that actually it's our laws that are setting the benchmark, not the policies of the tech companies themselves. So it's really important that our regulator can set codes that the companies have to follow. Social media companies have to obey the laws in the countries where they do business. We're already seeing this around the world. Germany has laws on hate speech. Australia has laws on compensating news providers by social media companies. But the online safety bill will be the biggest, most comprehensive law that any country has yet undertaken. But the companies will have to comply. The government has decided that we'd have this pre-legislative scrutiny period where we were given uh, 12 weeks or so to write our report, which we've now done. I think the report will give us a stronger, clearer bill that will deliver for victims what they want and give them certainty about what their rights are and what protections that exist. We'd all like this process to go faster, but we will be the first country in the world to legislate on such a comprehensive basis to keep people safer online. The government says it'll consider the recommendations carefully. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. The Home Office is thought to be considering using a former Ministry of Defence site in Thunnet to process asylum seekers. The fire training centre in Manston closed last year after services were outsourced to a company. It's claimed the government is drawing up the plans to deal with the rising number of people crossing the channel in small boats. MPs have called for a public inquiry into police failures to stop serial killer Stephen Port, who murdered four men, including a 21-year-old from Gravesend. Last week, an inquest jury found officers repeatedly missed opportunities to link their deaths despite them being nearly identical. The Met has been accused of homophobic prejudice. The policing minister says a review into the culture at the Met sparked by the murder of Sarah Everard by a serving officer from Kent would look at whether there is homophobia in the force. A Kent MP has joined calls for medicinal cannabis to be made available on the NHS. Dover's Natalie Elphick has been speaking in Parliament in support of Emma Appleby from Aylsham. Now, Emma's daughter Tegan has epilepsy and used to suffer hundreds of seizures a day. That's been dramatically reduced by using cannabis-based medication, but Emma still has to pay for it, and that's thousands of pounds a month. This is what her MP has had to say in the Commons. I pay tribute to Tegan's mother, Emma, for her superb care of Tegan. 
It is simply unfair and unacceptable that, in addition to looking after Tegan, Emma raises thousands of pounds each month to get hold of Tegan's medicine. That shouldn't be the case. That's what our NHS is there for. The law was changed by my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, when he was then Home Secretary. But too many people simply can't get an NHS prescription in practice, even after the law has been changed. Tegan's case was one of the first constituency surgery cases that I worked on after being elected in December 2019. As is the case for many members representing children who have epilepsy and need medicinal cannabis, this has gone on for many years, too many years. Unemployment in Kent has dropped for a ninth month in a row, according to Stats Out Today. The number claiming jobless benefits in the county went down by 875 in November. 49,365 people are still out of work, which is 50% higher than before the pandemic. Meantime, free HGV driving courses are being offered in Sittingbourne to help ease supply chain problems. Mainstream training based on the Eurolink Industrial Estate have secured a multi-million pound government contract to teach 40 1,500 people how to drive lorries. It's hoped it'll go some way towards tackling the national shortage. Kent Online reports. The family of a dad from Deal who hasn't been seen for more than two weeks say they're desperate to know he's okay. Alex Holland disappeared after going out for a cigarette at his parents' home in the Delane Road area on November the 28th. The 27-year-old father of two hasn't been in touch with anyone and his phone appears to be switched off. His mum, Rachel, says it's very out of character. She's been speaking to our reporter, Eleanor Perkins. He said to me he was going to go and get have a cigarette, then he was going to get a shower and go to bed. He'd asked his dad to get him up the following morning for work and he also had the dentist. Um, We believe he went out for the cigarette. He never came back in. Just gone. And the next day, what were your thoughts? I kept ringing his mobile all day because he obviously hadn't been in all night and his phone was off. So come tea time, I then rang the police and reported him as missing. Would Alex usually go this long without contact? No, never. Never. He phones us or contacts us every day. He would never go two or three days, would he? Never. No. It's not him at all. Just wouldn't do it. You know, and he's got his two girls here as well. It's just, it's just not him. What do you think could have happened to Alex? Where do you think he could be? Right now, I'm thinking, is he possibly... Somewhere hurt. I just, I honestly don't know. I've racked my brains thinking, where could he be? Friends, or would he go off and try and clear his head? I'd like to think so, but I honestly don't know. I'm just praying that he's, he is okay. He's just gone to, you know, maybe clear his head for a bit. What would your message be to Alex if he's hearing this? Just get in touch, come home. We just love and miss you so much. We just want you home. How are you coping as a family? I'm just taking each day, one day at a time. You know, obviously, we've still got bills to pay, so we've had to go back to work. But I did find it a struggle just sitting here doing Groundhog Day, you know, same thing every day, and just clock-watching 
you know, so we've both decided to go back to work to sort of help take our mind off a bit. And it does help a little, you know, because you're busy at work and it does take your mind off it. So it has helped a bit, but, you know, obviously each day is another day. He's not here and, you know, Christmas is coming. So we, yeah, we just want him home. We just need to know that he is safe and he's okay and we want him home. How would you describe as Alex as a son and a dad? Oh, he's an amazing dad. Yeah, really good, isn't he? He's a really good dad. Yeah, he dotes on them. Dotes on them. And as a son? We, we've had our ups and downs with him. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's my son. And I love him and I just want him home. You know, but we get on, we get on well, you know, you know, in his cell, love your mum and, you know, give me a hug and that, but... You said he was good at communicating, he'd come Yeah, oh yeah, he would, he'd, if he had a problem, he'd come and talk to me and his dad, yeah, he would discuss it, he'd say, oh, you know, he's not happy or he had a problem, he would just come and talk to us, wouldn't he? Yeah. And what would it mean for him to walk back through the door? Amazing. I'd be so over the moon. It'd be like all my Christmases at once. Be amazing. And you can see a picture of Alex and find contact details if you do know anything about his disappearance at kentonline.co.uk. Businesses across the county are being urged to help fund a project to tackle food waste. The chief exec of Produced in Kent has written an open letter to company owners about an app called Food Loop. It's claimed it'll revolutionise how waste is dealt with on a commercial scale to redistribute unwanted ingredients and meals. A painting worth £600 has gone missing after being sent in the post to an address in Deal. Pamela Lloyd-Jones painted the piece called Life is Still during lockdown and it was due to go on show at an exhibition in the town this month. Well, records from Hermes show they tried to deliver it on Sunday, November the 21st and there's been no sign of it since. The company has been approached for a comment. This is one of our most read stories today. A Kent theatre is set to close for at least a year in a bid to try and save it for future generations. The Winter Gardens in Margate opened way back in 1911 and has hosted some of the biggest names in showbiz, but bookings will be suspended from next summer. It's all because the Grade 2 listed site, which is one of the largest indoor venues in the county, is in urgent need of repairs. Well, Chris Britcher has covered this story for us and it's got a fabulous history, this building, hasn't it, Chris? Hi. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, Winter Gardens was first opened back in 1911. Uh, back then, Margate was the place to holiday, uh, long before the boom in cheap flights, which saw sort of course take off for sunnier climes. It sat right on the seafront, and while a little rough around the red edges today, it still has a rather, albeit a little dated now, splendour to it. And it's had some of the world's biggest names performing there legends like Laurel and Hardy, Morecambe and Wise, and of course, the Beatles. Uh, the big names keep coming. Paul Weller was there just a few days ago, for example. You've been speaking to council bosses about it. What have they had to say? There's been so much speculation about its future over recent months, especially when it was confirmed earlier this year all bookings were being suspended from August next year. So I wanted to try and answer some of the questions people in Thanet had about this iconic venue they hold so dear. And one thing the council was absolutely adamant about is that it's not going to be sold for housing or apartments. But a lot will ride on a £300,000 investigation it is doing into what the building could become, what people want from it, and could new operators actually make some money from it. 
Remember, this is a council-owned site. This is taxpayers' money we're talking about, and they can ill afford to see losses, which have been occurred year on year, keep adding up. Well, commenters on the Kent Online story do seem to be quite sceptical on this one today. Um, they don't think it'll reopen or it will be converted maybe into housing. What do you think? Personally, I think it would be absolute madness for Margate to lose one of its key cultural cornerstones, which was, after all, built to pull crowds into the town throughout the year, which in turn fuels the local economy. That need is is even more important today than ever before. And the people of Thanet are fiercely protective of it. And I think the thought of this being closed, albeit the council just insists just temporarily so it can be brought kicking and screaming into the model age, frightens them. I think the council genuinely want to revive it and they will do all they can to protect it. Failure to do so, I can't help thinking, would deliver an almighty backlash. Now, the council, if you say, have said the closure could be about a year, but do you have any idea on the scale of the work that needs to be done? Well, it's a grade two listed building, slap bang on the seafront, so there are going to be challenges as to what can be done. The biggest, as ever, is going to end up being the cost. I understand there's an issue with the boilers, which is going to you know, that's going to carry an almighty price tag. But the council cannot afford to not get this up and running. It's spelled out its desire to stave, save the venue, so let's hope they now deliver, albeit after a period of closure. Thanet needs it, East Kent needs it, and frankly, Kent needs this sort of venue. Thanks ever so much, Chris. You can read Chris's story and see some fabulous pictures of the Winter Gardens at Kent Online. A dog that was stolen from a van at Blue Water five weeks ago has been found. Bjorn was taken when the vehicle was broken into in a car park at the shopping centre in Greenhithe. More than 2,000 people joined a Facebook group to help with the search and he's now been reunited with his owners who've described it as a Christmas miracle. Meantime, a rescue dog taken in by a family in Rochester has been named the UK dog of the year. At Kent Online you can see a picture of Galahad the Mastiff who weighs in at a whopping 100 kilos, the same as a baby elephant or heavyweight boxer. He was rehomed by the Dogs Trust earlier this year and has now won a National People's Pet Award. And finally it's been announced the Coca-Cola Christmas truck will be at Blue Water this week. The iconic lorry which first appeared in the company's famous Holidays Are Coming advert 26 years ago has been touring around the UK to bring some festive cheer. We can see it at the shopping centres at Winter Wonderland tomorrow and again on Thursday. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Whilst you're on the site today, you can also see pictures of a sinkhole that's appeared in a road in Ramsgate. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.